welcome to From the Rookery End, uh, September podcast for the 2014-2015 season. And well, can we? Yeah, I think we can. The Watford season is truly underway at Vicarage Road. Uh, my name is John. With me is Jason. Hello. And Mike. Uh, buenos dias, amigo. <laughs> <laughs> we are three lifelong Watford fans, season ticket holders in the Rookery End, and well, these, these podcasts are our take on life as a Watford fan. And let's stress that in some of the topics we're discussing today, it is our take on life as a Watford fan. We are outside our spiritual home of uh, the Railway Arms uh, in Oxy, opposite Bushy Railway Station. So I'm sure there'll be a few growls of motors as they go past uh, on a, what is a, a, a pleasant summer evening with a couple of drinks while we do a podcast. Boy, we are five games into the championship season. How are we feeling, Jason? Yeah, feeling good. Obviously, there's a, a lot been going on, but just in general, just, just looking at the football for now, the second in the table. Um, for me, there's been there's a, a couple of defining moments so far. Rotherham away, sort of half-time, and Huddersfield uh, at 2-all, and a red card, and both of those you're thinking, well, we... We saw these. We saw these games last year. We know what's going to happen. We're going to lose. What happened? We won. <laughs> yeah. It was. Yeah. It was. Uh, and it just feels that. It felt that little bit different at the time. Maybe. Maybe this is going to be our season. Early days. But let's maybe. be positive. <laughs> Mike, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good now. I've sort of got my sleeves rolled up, sort of uh, <laughs> in actual and metaphorically as well. It, it feels like that, that this is the start of the season for me. I missed, a, I missed a couple of the early games, so I was away on holiday. Um, and it was actually the first game I managed to get to is the. Uh, I was going to say Carling Cup then, but it was the, uh, the Milk Cup, isn't it? No, it's the Coca Cola Cup. Who cares? Let's be honest. It was the, um, the Capital One Cup. And. I just got there and I felt, do you know what, I felt a little bit down. During the day I was really excited about it, then I got there, I walked past the, the east stand which wasn't finished, I saw the pitch for the first time and, was, and found out that the pitch has got a, Ill. Got a disease, the, the, the pitch is ill, there was a small crowd, um, it very quickly became apparent it wasn't going to be our night on the pitch. And do you, know you what? feel like you were back in the sort of early 1990s? Uh, well, yeah, a lot would say looking at me, Jason. I spent <laughs> most of the time back in the 1990s. But the whole thing just still felt very unsatisfactory to me. It still felt a bit gloomy. There's a bit of a, a pause <laughs> in the air, if you like. And it just it still felt like it did when I left after the Huddersfield game at the end of last year. JC talked about great results against... Um, against Rotherham away at that point we hadn't, we hadn't had the Huddersfield game but it just felt that things weren't right yeah. um, and it sort of played out in that game you know that was a great it was a, a second string in inverted commas team we put out that night but the performance was poor and I just thought we're not where we need to be we're not where we should be after, after two, two years and three or four games of, of the Pozzo regime and I just felt a little bit glum but now there's been a few bit of water under the bridge and it feels like we're almost drawing a line in the sand and we've talked about there being five games gone. It almost feels to me that we're starting now and all of a sudden I've got renewed enthusiasm, vim and vigour, excited, absolutely bring it on. It's good. Like Jay says, I think it's going to be our year now. Well, I also don't think, you know, for me, the, 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 the pinnacle moment that I had so far was hearing that rookery at the end of the Huddersfield Town game. Yeah. It's what you heard at the beginning of the podcast before the theme tune kicked in. Um, you can listen to the last seven minutes of the game, uh, which we put up on our audio boo page. Um, you can get that on our website, from the Um But that, you, you know, the, the, the changes that you, you talked about, it was the crowd were there as well. 
Um, there was a, a, a throw-up of arms it, from it, Gabriel Angela, and they, we, we answered, and it sounded fantastic. It felt like, for the first time, that, this, that the team and the fans were on the same page. It felt like there was a connection, and that hasn't been there for, for a long time, really, since we went into that horrible slide under Gianfranco, where we lost, was it four or five in a row at five home, games, and four without scoring? And up till then, they were still our boys, sort of thing. But, but, but since then, I don't think there's been a, that connect and that feeling of, of togetherness but that like you say was back with a vengeance on, uh, on Saturday against Huddersfield and it sort of still hairs on the back of your neck stand up moment wasn't it it was, it was terrific well coming up uh, in the podcast we've got chat about Troy Dean's new contract about the fact that Beppe Senior has left or so resigned as Watford head coach and uh, Oscar Garcia has been installed um, as the new head coach for Watford Football Club plus we're going to chat to Fernando Forcieri where he says this about a certain someone he is 19 minutes champ uh, <laughs> for me he says he is uh, and the best I, re- I have too much respect for, for him I, I love him who could that be and also in 100 objects we talk to a Watford legend John McLennan from the rookery end by Watford fans for Watford fans the transfer window was slammed shut this week Watford have got the window key and locked it for self-safety reasons. No one is allowed to leave for now. Thank you, Jim White. (laughs) Um, On the last podcast, we talked uh, quite a lot about the players that have come in, um, but I think the biggest signing for Watford this transfer window was that of Troy Deeney. Mike, it felt like a, it felt for me like a new signing. I'm inclined to agree, because all summer I've been pretty much resigned to him going and trying to work out what life would be like without him. So I've been imagining Watford for probably since the end of last season, uh, imagine the, imagining the team with a Troy-shaped hole in it. Now being able to slot him in, it's like, wow, we really have got a good side. Because although Matty Vidra is back and we've got... Um, uh, Igalo, who I think actually looks alright from yeah. some of the, the glimpses I've seen replacing 40 odd goals over two seasons is never easy um, and to have Troy there it just it just feels like it's um, although he's never been away it feels like a missing piece of the jigsaw has been sort of slotted back into place it just, it's just terrific and it's given, it's given everyone a real boost I think Apparently Jason Troy's performance against uh, Bolton when Gianni Pozzo saw that he said we will only sell Troy if the offer is massive. What did he see on that day? And what, in a footballing way, in the Watford's bid for promotion, what is, why is Troy actually very, very, very important? I don't think he would have seen anything different. I think he would have seen what we know Troy is capable of. Um, perhaps the fear was that after all the hype over the summer, um, and it's the same with some of the other players, he'd come back and he wouldn't quite be as good as he was in previous seasons after possibly having his head turned with the talk of Premiership clubs coming in but we didn't we saw a, a striker we know does work hard we've seen him last season working hard for the team uh, and we've seen him come back as a captain as well um, you look for a hard working player as inspiration from your captain and that's what we got working hard scored a goal what more could you ask from a, from a striker I think yeah we saw what we know he's capable of a great striker, an improved striker from where we've seen Troy come into this, oh, come into this side um, when he came from Walsall. Top player at this level, and yes, a potentially Premiership striker. I, th- I think the thing that was most encouraging, leading on from what, what Jace was saying, was the performance he turned in against Huddersfield when we were down to 10 men. He was up front on his own, 
and was having to make the ball stick for, for a good half an hour. And what you know, I don't, we don't. Really, it's all too easy to blow smoke up his backside here. He's still got to go ahead and and, and perform for this year if we're going to be successful. But what a performance he turned in. We were, I was actually sat in the lower row, so had a sort of very very close up view of what he was having to go through and the battles he was he was he was enduring and the sort of, he was putting his body on the line every time that ball went up there. And it was just so encouraging to see someone just battle relentlessly you know up against it and not, not winning he wasn't winning the ball every time but what he was doing was making a nuisance of himself but it was obviously taking a physical toll but he kept going kept going kept going and that for me it just it just spoke volumes and it, that's what this team has to be this year if we're going to get out of the championship we just need to keep going there's going to be times when it'll be tough you could argue the red card was was unfortunate. I think there was a dive for the first yellow card. Mm. But they're the cards you get dealt in the championship. Instead of whinging about it and moaning about it, led by Deeney, they rolled their sleeves up and, and turned in a hell of a performance. And, and for him to do it after signing his contract, um, which will, let's not, let's not kid ourselves, he will be on big bucks now. He will be on a lot of money, but he's earned it. Um, and he deserves it, but he, now he's signed the contract, he scored, and he turned in one of the most monstrous performances I've ever seen. And he dragged Watford through that game, I think. It was him that kick-started that last sort of um, 15 minutes of... of, of well, quite emotional, wasn't it? It's mm. quite inspirational stuff. So, massively encouraging to see him just, just battling so hard. He knew he was not not going to score, so it's not about the goals. It's about the performance and about the guts and about commitment and it was it was just an absolute joy to see. Could we replace him, Jason? If we you know if we if we lost him and then this uh, you know we were still trying to battle for for promotion, would we know able to replace him? And if he left, would we would have been able to be promoted? I don't. Yeah, I think it'd be quite hard to find another Troy Deeney that is at the level that Troy Deeney is at the moment. Um, he. I almost want to use the word complete forward. It's like he, there's many a thing he can do. We know he's he's quick, as Mike said, he can hold the ball up well. He's good in the air, but also as we've seen recently, he's got a great shot on him as well. Um, can score goals from, he can score tap means he can score from outside the area. There's, there's a lot he can do. Can he score his head though, Jace? He can score his head. Yeah, he can score. I'm sure he has scored his head. I'll tell you who he can score with his head. Who? Keith Andrews. Keith Andrews. <laughs> he can. Yeah. Maybe that's the secret behind that hair. It's actually made out of like solid lead. Because <laughs> uh, his headed goal against Huddersfield was, uh, was some well some, paced. Yeah. I feel like I need to check that, but I'm sure Troy can score with his head. Yeah, yeah. He, well, not, he um, can head the ball. Yeah, so I say he, he's almost like a. He's not. The ultimate complete forwards, if he was, he'd probably be playing in the Premier League, he probably would be too good for us. But again, talking about at this level, I think he is a, a complete forward. He would be hard to replace. Mike's talked about Igalo. Yes, he looks good, he looks strong, he, looks like he can hold up the ball, he can bring other players into the game. My only worry about him at the moment, if I'm seeing him, is that uh, he maybe looked a bit fearful with the ball in the box, attacking the ball. If you got a forward, a striker, you need him to be able to score goals. You want him to be confident in front of goal, and I'm not sure he was quite there when I when I seen him play. Um, but he's probably with what we've got is the closest to a Troy Deeney. Now we have got a lot of strikers, so that's the other question. If Deeney was to go, let's say I mean he could get injured. Yes, yeah, exactly. Maybe doesn't. We probably wouldn't get anyone else in. We'd probably take from the, the big squad that we've got. 
Igana is probably the closest. Uh, he's got a, a new captain's chat column uh, in the programme, and the first issue was in the Huddersfield game. He talked about in it the first one about his signing a new contract, the fact he did want he did want to play in the Premier League. Why not, of course? Um, but also about the fans' passion and that there were no excuses. Yeah, this season I that mean, was nice. Yeah, I think the interviews he did since since signing the the contract have been great. Have been a real nice sort of full stop to the to the whole story because. To be honest, he, he has said things that we all want to hear, but but amongst it, he said some 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 quite powerful stuff. And I think the no excuses line, it struck me as being a rallying cry. He's, he's actually sticking his neck on the block there and saying, what he's saying is we should be going up. And he's looking around and thinking, we know we've got we've got all got individually, they've got the talent. Now we need to deliver. And he's sticking his head above the parapet and saying, a, I'm staying with this club because I think we can go up. B, let's go and do it. And I think it was a real, you know, I've talked already about it feeling a bit like a line in the sand. And I think that, to me, is it's the first real public pronouncement, is that a word? Pro- yeah. Proclamation? Yeah. From the players of what they expected themselves. Uh, and now there's nowhere to hide for them because the, the captain's come out and said, we, we need to create a no excuses mentality. And that, for me, is massively exciting. I think, yeah, right, that's how we all feel. Let's, let's accept that we want promotion. Let's not pretend that we we're not you know we'll be happy with with sneaking into the playoffs or you know getting a point away at Forest. But, you know, bollocks! This is an incredible squad that's been put together with one sole aim to get promotion, um, and Deeney's recognised that publicly, and I fully expect the players to rally around him. And judging from the one game we've had since that, Huddersfield, they're going to. There's a lot to be fixed yet because I think the Huddersfield game the defence looked incredibly shaky. The, the, the stuff Deeney came out with was, a, was a, as I said, was a great full stop, a great finish to to the saga. We need to move on as supporters and they need to move on as a squad and, and deliver for us now. From the Rookery End. Subscribe via iTunes. Listen on Audio Boom. And find us at fromtherookeryend.com. This last Sunday night, after the Huddersfield 4-2 win, there was an announcement from the club that Beppe Giuseppe Sinino has resigned as head coach of Watford Football Club after four wins in five games. So why? We're told that senior players are unhappy with the management style. We saw Lloyd Dyer's horrendous and unprofessional behaviour at Rotherham. And this brought out rumours into the public domain that things weren't happy in the changing room. But apparently the fundamental reason why the Pozzos sort of agreed to take his resignation was that there were differences in how they wanted and he wanted to manage this team. He wanted extensive tactical work, the club wanted to ensure fitness levels were high and they would be able to stand up to a season-long push for promotion. I want to pull you up on something first. Mm-hmm. I personally think the Lloyd Dyer celebration has been blown out of all proportion. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder how many people are commenting on it without actually having seen the, the full thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not to cast aspersions, but he, this is a guy who was frustrated at not being in the team. No, don't care. He um, scored. No, don't care. And he, Mike, he, don't care. he blew Mike, off a bit of steam. Don't care. No, you don't do that. You don't do it. No one in any business in the entire world, if you're professional about it, and you are part of a team, yeah. which a football club is fundamentally, yeah. you don't do that. Do you, what, We're what, moving on. Blow off, blow off steam. I think yes, you, you do. I think you do, but you, you don't do it in the public. You don't do it, you don't do it in front of a crowd to start off all that sort of stuff. If he thinks... It, it, no, but not he didn't start off all that stuff. It was, it, was under, it was underlying, and there's no, yeah. there's no smoke without fire. We'd had it already after the Huddersfield game. 
last when was when's the end of the season? May, April. Mm. So this has been out and really been out in the open. Since oh, then. so the man who's been here for a few weeks is the one who's is, who has the job to do that. No, that's not what he was doing. It is. It was a personal thing from him. We're going to that, disagree. And move that on. He was uh, he was he was disappointed, um, and he let everyone know it. He wanted to be in the team. Good on him, I say. Go for it, Lloyd. No, have a discussion with the manager like an adult does. Firstly, though. Was it inevitable? After that event, Mike, was it inevitable that he was going to go? I think it was inevitable he was going to go. I don't think it had as much to do with that incident no, as, yeah, everyone, as everyone makes out. I don't think the two are linked um, to, to that degree. But as I said before, I think after Huddersfield, it felt that something was... Huddersfield last year, this is. It felt like something was very, very wrong. And I haven't felt like that at a Watford game for, for a long time. Even, you know, during, during the darkest days at least you come away thinking well we could have got something here or this could have happened and that could have happened that, that just felt so incredibly flat that the, the body language of the players that were, weren't playing was all wrong the, the performance of the players that were was atrocious the atmosphere was down there was, evidently there was something wrong there was so much so many stories flying around that some of it had to be true there's no smoke without, without fire on this case and it just felt like something was wrong there as I said earlier I think it, it, it carried on it hasn't, it hasn't cleared it hadn't cleared um, there were still issues bubbling under to the outside world it, it might have been a bit peculiar because Watford was second but if you've been in and around Watford Football Club for the last sort of three or four months you'd know that things aren't right and it is weird and maybe to outside world very weird to live all within a bubble and sometimes we're in that bubble things such as what Lloyd does do get blown out of proportion the bit Jason though that took me in, in Frank's report about the, about the exit of the watch was there but was and it's been nagging me a little bit the fact that the pot so seemed to want the head coach to work in a certain way now maybe just well is it is it a Beppe thing or is it do you reckon it could come back would a manager not come to Watford? Would a manager want to go do their bit and then leave because something isn't right? Yeah, you could probably say yes to all of them <laughs> questions. Am I wrong to, to worry so about that? I don't, I don't think worry's the, the right way. They, one, we said it time and time again, these guys know what they're doing. They've been in football a very long time and they've been successful um, to a certain degree in football with the two clubs other clubs that they, uh, they own um, something that impressed me in that article or one of the articles that Frank wrote this week was about the, um, the monitoring of the training so all the players wear GPS devices and they actually monitor and I would imagine that I'm assuming now Gidlin who's now sort of the overseer the overlord <laughs> um, is probably looking at that or one of his minions will be looking at that um, to make sure that the players are up to scratch. So yeah, I mean, it, they, they have a model that's worked. Why, why do something different? And why let one of your employees, because that's what Beppe was, why let your, one of your employees do something different that they don't know about when they have a tried and tested formula that they know does work? And that, that does seem to be the big issue. And then maybe this unsettlement, unsettlingness in the change room which we, as we sort of are agreeing though, Mike, is a little issue, even not yeah. executed in the right way, um, that sort of maybe adds to it enough. And, yeah, and it's not, we, I'd say we're not, we're not unique as a club in, in having owners that want football played a certain way, I don't think. There, there, there are other clubs that 
will have their philosophies and are well known for that and will play a certain way and managers will be will be hired because of, of their background. The best and my favourite English example of that, of course, is the Liverpool boot room, mm-hmm. where they had a succession of managers that all played the same way, that, that all worked together and succeeded each other, and look at the success that ball. So, yeah, if it, if it works, if it ain't broken, don't fix it. Mm-hmm. In, in defending Lloyd Dahl, I wasn't, su- <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't <laughs> suggesting that, that the players weren't, weren't unhappy, because they, they mm. patently were, and, they, and there, was, there was enough to, to, to say that the players were, were unhappy with them, but in, in talking about the Pozzo sort of demanding that he works a, a certain way, I think my understanding is, and reading Drawing the Lines, it, it wasn't that he wouldn't stick rigidly to what they, I don't think they expect him to do A, B, C, D, E every day, you know, mm. 9 till 11 you do this, and so I think they were making suggestions, and he was refusing point blank to take them on board, and they were asking asking for, for, for certain concessions which he point blank refused to make and I think that left both parties very little wiggle room in the end and that's, that's why, it, why it ended as it did. So in answer to your original question that in fairness was posed to Jace but I'm going to ask you, <laughs> should we be worried that they're asking the head coach to, to act in a certain way? I, don't, I think they are, they're sensible enough to give people freedom to, 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 to do the job as they see fit but they'll also expect as it, in effect the, the board you know if you think about your job Jason and John and myself if, I, if my boss continually asked me well, I think, have you thought about doing this and maybe think about doing that and I just went no nope, no nope, this is the way I work like it or lump it eventually things are, are you're going to find your, 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 your desk packed up aren't you so that's where it is and, and definitely the players weren't happy definitely the Potsos weren't happy absolutely inevitable um is bound to happen. I wish him well. I do feel sorry for yeah, him as much as massively. I think it should have happened in the summer. Uh, but obviously hindsight is twenty twenty. Perhaps they felt he'd only had a period of time um, and he would, should be rewarded for ineffectively doing the job he was brought in to do, which was to, to, to arrest that slide under Zola. So unfortunately in terms of the timing, but, but as it stands, standing here now, exactly the right decision. It's a bit of role play for you. I want you to imagine you're Gino Pozzo, Mike, you're Gino Pozzo. Uh, Jason, you're Scott Dutchbury, um, and you're having a conversation about the new Watford coach. You've had the experience of both uh, Gianfranco Zola and Beppe Sinino. What is in the job description for the new head coach of Watford? It's got to have a background that is instantly going to warrant respect from what is a very um, talented pool of players from a wide range of um, of, of places in the world and, uh, and they've got their experienced players as well so it's someone who's got to demand expe- uh, respect from the get-go yeah. and also that background uh, has a, a level of playing nice football um, we know they like attractive football uh, sorry I like I'm Scott that's right <laughs> no, 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 they like yeah I'm not positive so yeah we know they like attractive football so I have to help them find someone uh, who, uh, who plays attractive football? Mike? Uh, uh, sorry, um, Gino. Gino? <laughs> um, I think uh, they must have uh, some, at least some, a little small um, experience of the, of the championship, <laughs> of, of, of English football. They've got to, I think that's where we fell down under, under Gianfranco, a little bit of know-how about how to get through a game, um, and I think the new manager has to have some experience or at least show signs of understanding what, what English football is all about. If I can be Luke Dowling, the new... Um, Hello, Luke. <laughs> oh, hi, guys. I'm oh, new around here. Have you got my email address set up yet? Um, I think they should be able to um, have a really strong grasp of English from the get-go. 
I think that will help them both in terms of the um, dealing with the press and fans, but also the players as well. I'm going to go and find my new desk now. Good. It's over there in the corner. <laughs> that, no, I, uh, anything else? Anything else? I'm not talking about, about talking about you, Luke. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't have egos, but that that of all the appointments, that certainly raised my eyebrows in a good way as well. I, I, that made me think, oh right, okay. There's definitely a, they are definitely looking more uh, experienced of the English game. They are starting to recognise that, that it, it definitely helps having someone with a good knowledge of English football rather than just looking for a good technical director or sporting director, whatever you want to call mm. uh, Luke. James, of course, referring to Luke Downing replacing Gianluca Nani. Yes. Oh, of course, yeah. Yes, yeah. just in case. Um, no, that should be explained to you. But not John Mooney. No, it's not me. Don't make me direct the football. So we've got, we've got command respect, we've yep. got play decent football. We've understand got, the championship. Understand the championship. Good English. And, and, and good grasp of the English language. I mean, I think porters and the, and the board, that's what you're going to be asking for. Let's put that in an advert and stick it in the back of the Watford Reserve this Friday. You're listening to From the Rookery End. Tweet us at Watford Podcast. Like us on Facebook. And visit us on fromtherookeryend.com. The job advert. Uh, got some applications. We've picked someone. His name is Oscar Garcia. His name is Oscar Garcia. Jiu-jitsu something with J, isn't it? Jiu-jitsu. I can't remember what that last there is. Spanish naming convention. Oh, hang on. Catalonian. Catalonian. Sorry, Oscar. Yeah, there was a bit in the in the the into the the official website. Talk about accents. Talk about the accents above his name. He has got as many accents above his name as Daniel Tozier. That's a man with a lot of accent. We know he's, he, yeah, he was Brighton manager last year. He's a successful manager at Maccabee Tel Aviv. He's come through the Barcelona school of this is how we play football. Does he meet all the needs of our job application, Jason? Yeah. Think he does well. Let, let, let's let's, anyone, see. Anyone <coughs> let's, let's have some. Uh, we'll we know he's definitely got a background of good football in that he plays for Barcelona. Okay, there, there's, there's that. Um, I think he has that background of respect. Like we said, he's got a good pedigree. He, one full season with Macau Tel Aviv when they won their first title in in Um He has experience of. English Championship football, uh, a whole season of it, um, and home and away, home and away, and and of being at the right end of the table as well, mm, which true. is helpful. And he did that with, with I think the, the I think the initial concerns with with the appointment of Garcia were that the the football wasn't necessarily um, the most mind blowingly exciting at, at Brighton. And have you spoken to many Brighton fans? Yeah, I think I've spoken to a couple, and they've said sure. that. He, he's a bit of a dour character as well, and that he wasn't massively forthcoming, and um, you know, not very smiley, not very, um, not very exciting as a, as a character, which obviously we'll reserve judgment on. And that is, I think it's a bit unfair for us to comment on that. But and who cares really if you're winning football? But I think there definitely was a lot of suggestion that he was quite defensively minded, lots of passing and, and emphasis on possession. But I think the caveat we need to put in is that he got a a, a Brighton side which was quite. It wasn't the greatest squad they've ever had. I, I believe they had quite a few injuries over mm. the course of the year and still got them into the playoffs. Ultimately, they came up short, but in what we always say is a competitive um, division, to get into the playoffs with, with a squad who, which isn't, isn't the greatest and has, has faced injury problems, you've got to say uh, fair play to him. Um, and perhaps 
you know, you look at you look at the Watford side. We've talked about Troy Deeney. We've got Matty Vidra. Uh, we've got Forest Gieri, Anya. We've got um, Igala. We've got there's goals in there. Yeah, it, it's, it's going to be very hard to, to, to set up a team with Watford who isn't going to isn't going to be pose an attacking threat. Yeah, I mean that's, that's what my Brighton sporting friends have sort of said. Um, that it wasn't it was a lot of possession. There wasn't a lot of goals, but they did put that down to the squad that he had. And I think we've got yeah a pretty good squad this year. Jason, you've done some statistical analysis. I've done analysis. some statistical analysis that, that kind of backs up what the Brighton fans are saying in his defence. The fact that <coughs> yeah, they, they wasn't the football wasn't that bad. Um, it was problems with injuries and, and strikers that they had. Wait, I mean, for example, like Craig McHale Smith yeah, was out for a long time. When we played uh, last season, the game at Brighton, Mikel, uh, he, I was disappointed with him from a professional point. He just seemed to spend most of the game throwing himself around and complaining mm. at the ref. Anyway, that's on the side. Um, some interesting stats here, boys. If you, if you look at look at the home record, Brighton actually averaged two shots per game more than Watford last season. So if they're not that exciting, they're actually creating more chances at home than we did. Okay. Now, to in line with what the fans are saying about um, problems up front, the number of shots on target was actually the same as Watford and they scored fewer goals than Watford. So whereas we had that man we've been talking about already, Troy Deeney, um, Brighton had those problems and those stats kind of bear out uh, what the Brighton fans are saying. Away from home was a bit different. I think we created more chances but then we conceded a lot more chances we scored more goals conceded a lot more goals but to be honest the, the record you want to look at there Brighton had a fantastic away record last season nine wins eight draws and only six defeats which for an away side in, in what we know is a very competitive and unpredictable division that's a fantastic away record so and that's been their Achilles heel for a while hasn't it mm. the away, the away yeah. form yeah we know that our away form last year was a, was a nightmare mm. so yeah, if Garcia's brand of football gives the team a, a strong away performance or yeah, away performances then bring it on and, and also to be perfectly frank the, the Huddersfield game the defence looks, looks shaky again so if, he, if he's going to come in and, 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 and face things on sorting out the defence then well mm. quite frankly that, that's pretty good news because whilst, whilst well, we are second in the division I think if you look at the, the teams we've beaten you could throw a, a, a hand key over them, they're all down the bottom. Yeah. Um, and Huddersfield caused us, caused us issues on, on Saturday, but yet they're down there. Leeds are, Leeds are in turmoil, Bolton aren't, aren't much top. Um, who was it we beat away? We beat uh, uh, Rotherham away, come up. Who, who are going to struggle, despite their um, Steve Evans' attempts to sign anything that moves. <laughs> I mean, uh, a lot of people don't like yeah. him, but he tried to no, tr- sign Lewis McGugan and, and uh, Lloyd Dyer. <laughs> that, that was quite a smart, yeah, quite <laughs> a smart thing. <laughs> it made me chuckle, but I still don't know. Um, so, but, you know, they're going to struggle this year, and, and these are the teams we beat. Now, we have, and we played one team in the top half and, uh, who absolutely annihilated us, albeit with, with, with 10 men. But, so there is that caveat. We, I think there still is work to be done on this, on this squad and I think you ha- on this team, and you have to work start at the back because I think there are too many mistakes being made. Um, and if he's going to start coming with his, and, and sort out the defence first, then, then I'm all for it. Jason's tip analysis will be available on fromtherecreant.com. I, I would like to say that, that one thing I found out um, just the total shots from both sides last season yeah. Brighton had 601 shots, we had 603. There were only two, <laughs> two shots in it. All this is over the 46 league games, playoffs not included. 
only two shots difference. That's fascinating. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have any idea how many shots we'd have in a season. I don't, I'd, I'd have said six. I don't know. It's a good snap, Jason. Well oh, done. Right, okay. How many shots are we going to have this year? That's, that's what the big thing that everyone will now be waiting for come the end of the season. Not promotion. How many shots do we have on target? Shot count. From the rookery end, John, Mike and Jason. It's their take on life as a Watford fan. Here it is, a collection of historic and intriguing items to define Watford Football Club. Oh, it's Watford in a hundred objects! A hundred objects this month. We move on to number 55. Mike, number 55 is a birthday card for one very special old lady. This is a lady that appeared in the late 80s and she's been a regular at Watford away games ever since really. Not many people have met her. No. Something of a mythical character. <laughs> and there's a reason for that, she's made up. Oh. Um, she doesn't exist. It's Gladys Prothero. <laughs> now, um, she was invented. No one really knows why or exactly when. I think it was a chap called Simon, apparently. Right. But I haven't, got, haven't had that, um, uh, what's the word, verified mm-hmm. by independent sources. But basically, it was a scheme um, thought up when Watford went to away grounds to take the mickey out of the announcer by getting in touch in advance and saying, can you please wish Gladys Podro a happy birthday? Of course, the joke being, every time he goes to a Watford away game, you'd hear the PA announcer say, um, best wishes to Gladys Podro on her birthday, and the Watford fans would cheer, and yay. But this, it backfired rather spectacularly. <laughs> spectacularly. It's a stopport. The chap, Simon, or whoever is, whatever his real name is, got in touch with to Stockport and said, Gladys Prothero, Watford supporter, is 90 today. <laughs> okay. So, obviously, as is, as is his duty, the Stockport announcer said, and a very happy 90th birthday to Gladys Prothero, and they'd arranged a bunch of flowers <laughs> and a card to be presented to, to Mrs. Prothero on the pitch. So they tried to get her out onto the pitch, but of course... So she was 90, she couldn't make it, she <laughs> make it. So yeah, it backfired um, pretty spectacularly on that occasion. Um, obviously Gladys was just a bit too modest to, to take to the uh, Esley Park uh, turf that day. Looks like taking a very long toilet break. Yeah. <laughs> I think she has turned up a few times since then, but, um, but yeah, it's uh, a bit more sporadic since then. But one of those uh, fantastic little stories that uh, Watford fans have been involved in over the years. So a birthday card for Gladys is going into the list at number 55 number 56 it, it's a bit of a biggie it's for John McLennan 1984 to 1989 at Watford plus a little bit of game in 1991 I think it was he was fantastic wasn't he Jason he was good I, w- I was only um, a mere boy at the time watching him but I do I do remember when we signed him I think he was well, Northern Ireland International wasn't yeah. he? I remember he came down from Rangers we signed him from Correct. and yeah, I do remember Fairly excited, yeah, big sign from a big club, international, and Northern Ireland were, were decent then. Mm-hmm. Your memory can play tricks in sometimes, but what I, what I remember about him was that he always seemed to have telescopic legs or something. He just, he just, <laughs> whenever he seemed to challenge a, a strike, he thought, oh God, they're in here, the opposition are in, they're going to score, and all of a sudden McClellan's legs would appear and, and come away with it, and off he'd go, trotting up the pitch, and he'd think, how do you just do that? It's like, that, that that's all how I remember him from my uh, my years of standing on my wooden box exactly the opposite yeah. of, of Marco Cassetti in the 90th minute who instead of having telescopic legs would just catter into someone yeah, and absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, don't, don't diss Narco. No, right. Well. He's speaking of the dead. Don't, <laughs> don't diss him and then call him dead. Well, he is in the Watford sense. Yeah. Right. I hope you've got clean sheets. You haven't got clean sheets. You're going to wake up with a horse's head, mate. <laughs> I've got two very clear memories about, about John McLean. They're slightly linked. The, the first one is that my mum had the most... <laughs> Well, she had a crush on him. She absolutely <laughs> fancied the pants off, off John McLean. Well, uh, boyfriend. Yeah, well, exactly, yeah. She's the one that I think she, my dad said, if you, you're allowed to. Because <laughs> <laughs> everyone's got one, haven't they? <laughs> Mine would be mine would be Harriet Hornet, of course. But, um, <laughs> mum and dad they didn't do that sort of thing. Yeah, well, that's, uh, that's another story for another podcast. But uh, I'm on my dad if you're listening. Um, um, but the other thing was that mum actually chanced to cross John McClelland once. Right. Chanced to cross him um, at the, the Hornet shop. She was buying um, buying Andy and I uh, a calendar for Christmas, which was um, which was um, the uh, it was, uh, what's the thing? What's the word? Uh, yeah, not Christmas, but it was the, the, it happened every year. What's it called? <laughs> tradition, tradition, <laughs> tradition. <laughs> oh, I'm so articulate. I'm with myself sometimes. So anyway, the thing about that was, so she bought us one calendar to share between us, not one each. One calendar for Christmas, and we didn't even share the same room. But anyway, but anyway, she was coming out of the Hornet shop, clutching the calendar. There was John McClelland. Uh, John, 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 she said. Firstly, obviously, she asked for her phone, his phone number. <laughs> he, he evidently said no. Um, she said, can you sign this calendar? And John McLean said, yeah, you sign the calendar. He said, oh, well, the boys are just down here training. They were training at Vickery Rose that day. Would you like to come down and get the rest of the chaps to sign it? So it was, I think it was 80, 1987, something like that. Andy and I woke up and we had a signed calendar. And back in those days, it, this was the most amazing thing. We almost, you know, took the paper off and there was almost angels singing as you heard the, <laughs> as you saw this thing you know to Andy to Mike from John McClellan from John Barnett from Luther whatever it was, it was amazing so I'll always remember um, John McClellan for that what, what a guy what a guy um, he was at the Leeds United home game he was a special guest in the uh, hospitality boxes I uh, was able to meet up with him uh, and fi- try and have a chat and try and find an object which we could put into our list for such a man so you're back at Watford, John, and it's completely different, I suppose, from last time you were here when you played. Yeah, completely, yeah. But it was very strange. First visit on a Friday morning before playing Sunderland, coming from Glasgow Rangers, a big iconic building and all this land and the facade at the outside. And you drive down and you look at the, the, the terrace houses and the garages at the back and you look at the allotment, or the, <laughs> the allotment at that side and the main road at that side. And then the hospital at that side. And to be fair, you could have lost Watford and drove yeah. past it. The moment of, have I made the right choice? No, not at yeah. all. No, not at all. You had a choice, didn't you? When you were, when you before you signed Watford, you were at Glasgow Rangers, and you had a choice to make to where you were going to go next. Yeah, but the clubs in those days, I wasn't the Bosman really. And so even though my contract was finished at Glasgow Rangers, they, they, they were, and I didn't agents weren't about, and I didn't pursue anything. So there was talk of Tottenham wanting me, and uh, I think Graham Taylor at Arsenal were looking at me. But Rangers wouldn't tell me anything like that. At the last minute, Aberdeen came in to sign me, and Alex Ferguson. They just won the league and everything else. Uh, it was funny because I spoke to Graham Taylor and Eddie Plumley in a hotel in, in Glasgow, and across the corridor on the same floor, two doors down, was Aberdeen. So I spoke to Graham and said, I'm not messing about, I've been treated very badly at Rangers, and uh, I just fancy playing somewhere else. So you make me an offer, and it'll, it'll, it'll be yes or no, and it's not going to be playing one off against the other. So, so they made me an offer, and I said, Yes. I said, But out of courtesy, I'm going to saying no to Aberdeen I'm going across and they said well if you're happy signing the contract I said no I'm happy and I will sign the contract 
Bird occurred, is even going to say no to Aberdeen first. But no, if you're happy and you, you want the terms, your terms are right, send. I said, no, I'll do, it, I'll do it when I come back. So I went over and uh, Aberdeen was telling me the Aberdeen thing about what will win with me, Millie Matrice, and Cleland, and that. And um, Alex Ferguson gave me a bit of paper and signed, put, put the contract in a bit of paper, folded it, and slid it across the table. Uh, and I said, well, if I look at that, you'll think I'm mercenary and I'm playing you against them. And it's never been about that. I would have stayed at Rangers, but they didn't treat me well, so I don't want to look at it. So I pushed it back at him and I never looked at it. And that was it. And you signed for Watford. Apparently, legend has it, when you first moved down, you couldn't drive. That's right. I didn't drive for 27. So how did you get around? Cut a bus. (laughs) And I walked. Uh, Moved to Kings Langley, uh, not far from here. And I just, you know, it's a nice place to walk. And probably that's why I kept quite fit. Because after training, what does a footballer do? But also Go and play pool or something. I just used to walk back to King Langley sometimes. Just walk. But did you have apparently you had a bu- you actually had a bus path when you were down? Don't you? <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's a theory that is. No, okay. That's a theory. I don't know. And I don't know. If, I don't think bus passes were in place when I <laughs> when I first joined Watford. Uh, I had a bus ticket. <laughs> okay, a bus ticket. <laughs> um, that, that that time at Watford was you know it is what we call the golden era. Yeah. Um, it was the best time we've had at the club. If you were sort of what was it? you would have bottled up about that team under Graham that at times of despair you'd go right open the bottle up that's the thing that we need to get it was, it was honest people uh, and um, hard work and it was we liked each other but Graham Taylor done that because he wouldn't sign a player and if he did sign one and I thought it wasn't right he shouldn't move moved them on because he realised and, and Harry Wilkins said, if you get one or two bad eggs in the team, that can destroy everything. You know, so we didn't have any sort of bag, uh, bad eggs around. You know, you play internationally. Yeah. You play for the world. Yeah. Um, in the hundred uh, year anniversary of the football league, but then Watford got relegated under Dave Bastet. Yeah. Um, but you stuck around. Yeah. Um, you must have been in high demand for all that success that you had. Yeah, but I mean, again, Graham say, said he signed good people. And, and my rule, well, Watford treated me well, so why should I leave, even though we're relegated? And I said to some of the players, we got them relegated, so we should stay and try and get them back up. Mm. But obviously it was the above, the above, you know, he, he destroyed the club, really, with not having that signing players that enjoyed each other's company, and that it seemed to be a crafty company, carry on, you know what I mean? So a lot of players, well, I'm not going to play in the second division. I had the good life, you know, give them a chance. And, and uh, but I then told Watford well it's a year because then I could look after myself because international football and all sorts of different things so Tony Coulton stayed I stayed and it just got beaten the playoffs and then you go on to play for Leeds yeah uh, and go on and be part of the team that won the last ever first division first yeah. division yeah. yeah what was that how, how was life after that yeah. Leeds is a much bigger club than Watford yeah. life like there well I struggled a bit because at Watford they, they realised I had a little injury and rested me a lot and Leeds didn't really let me rest I thought I could get away with pre-season and, but they end up with operations so I only played four games in two years so it became quite difficult because you win the second division you spend more money buy more players so you go down the pecking order I'm not playing so how do you get to play and then they tried to sell me and nobody wanted to buy me. And I said, just let me do my own training. And the referee said, oh, you wish the space, do what you want. I did what I want and I got in the team. And then they said, just do your own training from now on. So I wasted two years because of the 
not miscommunication about they don't like you to train by yourself because then somebody else wants to train by themselves and then somebody else wants to train by themselves and there wasn't probably the staffing levels you'd have now in football to say he's different Alan Hansen did it different people did it and probably being a newcomer at Leeds the men I thought it was just trying it on I don't know out of all the things that happen at Watford and about you as a player you pretty much always are put in you want to put an all time 11 together for Watford you're one of the names that sort of always goes in there what do you reckon you what is it you would like Watford to remember you for? Just being honest, I think Graham Taylor wrote something that I, I didn't put myself first. I was always interested in the other people because I could look after myself, you know what I mean, training-wise and that. So I was always more considerate about other players than myself. So I suppose that's a nice thing to have to say. That what do you reckon I remember you for? Being quick. <laughs> <laughs> being, being quick. Yeah, being quick and nobody seemed to outrun me. Nigel Gibbs said nobody ever outrun you no matter what and I don't know what they think that's the that thing I think it is that speed because you're a man of your size yeah. you know the, the speed that you had on the pitch was, is remarkable it doesn't go together does no. It? no that's it the only man since has been Usain Bolt thank you <laughs> <laughs> well, how's life treating you now okay you know um, nearly 60 now and you think you look at with respect to Gascoigne and different people like that football can lead you astray especially now with all the money it wasn't so much in my time but it still go that way so sometimes I say the highlights coming out well balanced or, or seem to be well balanced in my mind but some people come out and they're angry or they're bitter and, and uh, just to come out and be, be alright so it's a bus ticket that we're putting in for John uh, if you have a look at the full list on fromtherickerin.com um, if there is a what for legend that we are missing um, then please get in touch and suggest an object. You don't have to suggest an object, but if you think there's one player in particular we must make sure is on there, get in touch. Podcast at fromtherookeryend.com A monthly take on life as a Watford fan. From the Rookery End. Uh, we've got a player interview this month. Uh, Mike and I went after the Uddersfield game uh, and had a chat to Fernando Forestieri. Third season with us now, Mike. He's... Um, Oh, I like how he's growing. Yeah, definitely. He started off as someone who obviously had, had talent, but was, was massively frustrating. He was one that would hit the ground very easily and would often run down dead ends. But he has he's continued to develop year on year and is now um, starting to flourish big time at pretty much exactly the right time. I think they, I wasn't there, but his performance against Leeds sounds like it was... Oh, um, he was amazing. Yeah. Just absolutely unplayable. Uh, and which he, we all know he can be on his day with a bit of common sense with a bit of nows with a bit of experience he has the potential to be um, an absolutely terrifying player and one who could undoubtedly cut it in the Premier League I think so it's been an honour I think to, to see him stick with us and, and he feels like one of ours doesn't he because he just feels mm. like we, he's developed with us he's stuck with us and he's worked hard for us as well I think it's come a long way since we prophesied that red card at, in that great game at the Valley at Charlton, um, yeah two years ago yeah. Um, yeah we we could see we could see he was going to get sent off it happened yeah. um, obviously the game was was a great one in the end for Watford but yeah for, as far as Fessy's concerned he's come a long long way since then yeah and you love the fact he's got a nickname like Fessy and yeah, you know a, a, fan, a, a player is loved by the fans when you get a, a nickname like that um, where is he in the pecking order though Jason in the Watford squad this year um, interesting isn't it Cause mm. you'd, you'd think he'd be 
behind Vidra. Yeah. He's not Deeney, we've already talked about. He's <laughs> definitely not tall enough. <laughs> who, who, who the Deeney replacement wouldn't be. So you'd think he'd, he'd be a backup to Vidra. And he said that, like we said, he played well, unplayable against Leeds and earned himself a, a starting slot against, uh, against Huddersfield. He might have played uh, against Huddersfield anyway, because every time he started against Huddersfield, he scored. Yeah, any time he didn't. They don't like him, Huddersfield, do they? No, no, they don't. Uh, he is a lovely, cheeky chappy, and that's what we had to start asking him about. Fernando, the little magician. Yeah. How do you say little magician in Italian? In mo- no, in Spanish. Oh, Spanish, in okay. Emotion. You, um, you know, you're, you're a naughty sort of player. Were you, were you always in the... <laughs> 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 were, you, were you always like that as a kid? No, I don't know, I played these. So you, but you're really skillful, that's why the fans loved you from day one. Skillful? <laughs> 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 Welcome to the podcast, <laughs> Keith Andrews, <laughs> little cameo there. Um, but you know, regardless of what Keith Andrews says, we think you're skillful, don't worry about him. <laughs> and that's why the fans have taken to you now. Were you always like that as a player growing up? Did you love the ball at your feet and tricks? Yeah, yeah. I love uh, half the ball, I touch. Uh, no attack the space. My, I, I prefer to play behind my foot. What's the most number of, in, in all your time to play football, when you were small up to now, what's the most number of goals you've ever scored in one game? I don't know, in Italy, three scores. Uh, you know, when you start a play, you seven versus seven. Yeah. It's, yeah, this, uh, maybe seven, eight to score. <laughs> yeah, I, it's uh, children. I, okay. You scored, against, you scored against Leeds recently. There's a little dance after that. Yeah, and every, ta- and every time. And every game, when I young, when Argentina, dancing for celebration. Is, it, is, there a, is there a special dance? Is there a Nando dance, Fernando dance, the Fessy? The Fessy, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I have t- today... If I score, I want celebration for Ale, Ale Fowling, oh, the yeah. QPR. I'm very sad for him because he's injured, but okay. The important thing is what for win. You seem to, you seem to flourish under, under Gianfranco when Gianfranco Zola was here. If, if you could keep one thing about Gianfranco, if you could have one thing back about, about Zola, what would it be? With training, he teaches for me too many things. And I think this is... Uh, the third uh, season, the game in Watford. I think uh, now I'm ready for for play maybe every game, no? Because Sola teach me too many things. I really hope. You're you're ready to be a championship footballer. That much is obvious. You're also ready to be a good barbecue cook, right? Mm-hmm. Today is uh, my father the last the last day here, and now cook uh, one barbecue. What would you cook? Uh, meat, lamb, lamb, yeah. lamb. No, lamb. Uh, the no, this one. Oh, lamb. Lamb. Oh, lamb. Yeah, yeah, lamb. No, okay. no, no, no. Any flavouring with that? Any sort of flavours you like? Taste. Uh, the ribs. Yeah, yeah. Lamb. What was we've seen pictures on the internet about the ice chamber the other day? The sub, the cold temperatures where you went in the, the cold, freezing yeah. cold. What was that like? Does it hurt? Does it hurt? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the ice bucket challenges. Yeah, the because the support nominated me, uh, and now my uncle in love nominated me, <laughs> and now maybe today or tomorrow I do. Okay, okay so it's coming for the fans. Yeah, yeah, for the you've, Fernando, you're, you've got a good relationship with supporters, a good relationship with your teammates. Yeah. Um, you've also got a good relationship with Harry the Hornet. Yeah, you always for celebrate. Me, for me, it's, uh, I'm the best because he support 
he loves more the uh, more Watford the support uh, look coming here every day because he is 90 minutes champ uh, <laughs> dancing for me is uh, he is uh, and the best I re- I have too much better for for him. And do, do they have mascots in in the the other teams? No, no. For me, it's the first. Okay. I, I love him because I don't know because I, when I did young, I love the mascot and now have uh, Harry and for me it's top. It's, uh, yeah. Views, interviews, and a rant or two from the referee end. That was an awful uh, lot to talk about in one podcast. That's, that's very un-Watford in many ways. Um, but we are back at the beginning of October uh, for yet another Formula Trend in our fifth season of doing these things. Coming up though, Mike, we come back after international break. We are away at Charlton uh, on a Saturday, followed by Blackpool on a Tuesday. First home game will be on telly against AFC Bournemouth on the Saturday the 20th. Unfortunately, on the fixtures I'm looking at, it says uh, Capital One Cup third round. We're not mm-hmm. in there. Uh, then away at uh, Blackburn Rovers, and then we finish off September with a Tuesday night game at home to newly promoted Brentford. It's Oscar's first month as Watford's head coach. How do you see this month going for him? I think, it, it, looking at those fixtures, it looks like they've been relatively kind. I mean, Charlton away is, is a local one. We'll take a lot of supporters. Charlton started very well, so it won't be easy. It'll be a difficult one to start with. I think you take a draw there. Um, Blackpool away, really. Seven, seven goals at least. Well, you've, got to <laughs> hope, you've just got to hope you beat teams like that because you're always loath to predict an away win at, at any stage. But really, they, they haven't got, at the time of recording, they haven't got a point on the board. They're in absolute disarray. We're flying. Um, so if we're serious about going up there, they're, they're the sort of games that we need to, to get some, some points from. And where we haven't done before, you know, historically we've, we've struggled against the teams that have been struggling and, and we need to make sure we put teams like that to the sword. Bournemouth promises to be a good game. The, the, the one that I'm looking forward to, seeing how we do the most really, is, is Blackburn because I think that's the, the biggest test. It's a long way away. Uh, there, there, will be some, there will be a good following, there always is with Watford, but it won't be a massive away following. Blackburn have started reasonably well and I think that will be a real test of our credentials and if we can get away with like a creditable draw or, or, or maybe even a win there then I think the, the division will really start to, t- to take notice and then you're two months through the season then and if we, if we, if we get in the results that we hope and then pick up something at Blackburn you know that's we're up and running, really, then, aren't we? And he's starting to he's starting to motor. So, but then, but after that, October, November, that's when we're heading into the Zola Zone. We're all, all starting to unravel. Yeah, I think, I think yeah, that, that's, that's, October that's, looks a tricky month. Yeah, I mean October, November. If we get through that and to Christmas with anywhere near. Yeah. what we've started with that, that, that is then that's the only point I will 100% truly believe that we are going up that, that's why this, this month I think this month coming up is, is massively important because you're right it sets the tone for what is a, what's a difficult couple of months now Garcia's got a very difficult job now he's, he's got to come in and he's got to make this team his own quickly because Charlton away first game it won't be easy no. um, a lot of Watford fans will be expecting a win because everyone's excited and everyone's sort of quite jubilant after the Huddersfield game excited stuff's happening but effectively his season's starting now he hasn't had a pre-season he's got two weeks to get to know the players get to know the system he wants to play um, get to know the personalities and how best to, to use this squad so it's a tricky tricky job for him but if he can get off to a good start in those those first couple of games then then yeah but it, but yeah it will set the tone and I think he, he's got a job and they are and they're, they're not muck about it there are two away games so whilst mm. you know Blackpool are struggling 
he's away from home. Their fans are going to be behind them. Cold cheese and I in Blackpool. Yeah, we, we said it before. Um, yeah, within four days of each other. Mm. And if it doesn't quite work as he wants it to at Charlton, what's the confidence going to be like going having to go to another away game straight away afterwards? It's good on one hand to get the previous game out of the system, but still, still tough. So. It's, it's not not easy, not straightforward. I don't think we should to be too weighty about it. I mean, no. it's not going it's not going to make or break. But it, it would look it would look incredibly rosy if, if we get um, if we get through those games with with four or or even six points. Um, but by the same token, if we if we only have a point, we're still going to be well in touch with the mm-hmm. players. It's not going to ruin everything. Um, but I just feel you know we've got a, there's such a feeling of enthusiasm around the place which has been lacking for for a long time now. And they're talking of, the club are talking about the East Stand. Uh, the community stand being open for the for the Bournemouth game and possibly even fully open sort of reasonably quickly after that and that feels like you know that's we've got a new manager we've got a new uh, new technical director we've got a new you know the new stand um, Troy Deeney's come in we've got a settled squad the fans are happy it, it's got the, the potential to be one of the most exciting months uh, or six weeks or so in, in Watford's history and I just hope it turns out the way we all wanted to. Knowing Watford, it'd probably be an absolute nightmare. <laughs> zero, uh, zero points, three broken legs, and Oscar Garcia on the next plane to uh, Leeds United. But it won't be, so let's be positive about that. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter. We are at Watford Podcast, and on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Rookery End. How do you say come on you hands in Spanish? Come on you hands. <laughs> <laughs>